0: Friends, good morning to you on this beautiful day. If you're a guest with us today, uh, we are really glad that you are here. I know it can be uncomfortable to visit a church for the first time, and so let me just say to you that however you come to us, however you got here, whatever your story is, you're welcome here. And we genuinely hope that that comes across to you as you are with us today. You found us on a day that's a different service than usual, like Pastor Mark said earlier, because today we are installing a new pastor that's joining our pastoral team, Ryan Swindle, our pastoral intern who started 12 years ago at this church as a member of this church. And now today he's becoming a pastor of this church. Today's an exciting day for many reasons and for many people. Ken and Molly, I know it's exciting for you. I know there were some difficult times in those teenage years when your son was trying to make all the wrong decisions that he possibly could, and you probably never thought that one day you'd be sitting at his ordination service as he dedicated his life to ministry. Jesus has been good to him, and He's been good to you. Mac and Deborah, I know you are watching online from Virginia, and we wish that you could be with us. I know it's an exciting day for the both of you, and how far these two kids have come, and where the Lord has brought them. And I can also only imagine how your prayer life increased all those years ago. Increased exponentially when your daughter introduced you to her fiance after their two week courtship. Especially when that young man probably looked like he could barely hold down a part time job with Doritos crumbs still on his fingers. But over the last 12 years, we've gotten to see the marvelous people that Jesus has made them into, and those grandkids too. Of which my son is especially fond of Miss Esther Pearl. 1,000 head of cattle have been offered for her hand. (laughs) And Mac, how special is today for you to see your son-in-law dedicate his life to the very thing that you yourself have dedicated your own life to. Jesus has been good to them. It's been good to him and he's been good to you. And Amber. I know you're excited too. But you weren't always. And speaking of that two week engagement, Jesus has funny ways of showing us that the joke's on us every now and then, doesn't he? Like when you said yes to Ryan's marriage proposal on the one condition that he promised that he would never, ever go into ministry. But Amber, only Jesus keeps all his promises. (laughs) And he's been good to you. And lastly, on a personal note, it's exciting for me. At the beginning of this year, we moved our offices across the street, out of this building to the one at 303. And as I was packing up all of my stuff, I came across a piece of paper I hadn't seen in a couple of years. It was a piece of paper where I'd written down some things three years ago. About the vision for our church and thinking through hopes for the future. And what we could possibly grow into. And I smiled when I saw it because part of what I wrote down included a couple of additions. I wrote Ryan Swindle slash care pastor, and Ricky Allegretto, slash discipleship pastor. And at the time, we were deep, deep into COVID, and that future felt so far away with all that would have to happen in order for us to get there. And yet today, here we are. Jesus has been good to us, too. It's customary in installation services to preach a sermon that is catered to the moment, but also to preach one that's on a passage that's meaningful and significant to the one being ordained. So a while back, I texted Ryan, and I asked him to give me a few passages for what he would like me to consider preaching on. And a little bit later, he sends me back a list of uh, a few passages, and so I said, thanks. But then shortly after that the jokes started coming in hot. He texted, "How about something from the Song of Solomon?" <laughs> That's a good one. Then how about, you know, Ehud and Eglon? Okay. So a story about one of the judges killing a foreign king while he's using the toilet. Another good one. And then finally he texted, "How about just using a passage with the word dung in it?" Friends, I'm not for sure what we've gotten ourselves into at this point. And just this week, he also texted me, fly, eagles, fly. Like I said, insubordinate and churlish. So friends, next week, I'm excited that Ryan will begin a new sermon series on Leviticus. It will last one year during the duration of me and Mark's sabbatical. <laughs> the passage is Ezekiel 34 that we're going to consider this morning. It's a passage about shepherding. It's about bad shepherds, and it tells about a good shepherd. Ezekiel was a prophet while Israel was living in exile. and It's a strange and mysterious book. It's a book that stands between two moments. It occupies a place in the biblical story where it points back to all of Israel's failures, but it also points forward at the same time. Because Ezekiel is a book where God gives his vision for the future. It's where he talks about a valley of dry bones being brought to life by the power of a mysterious wind that can raise the dead. It's where he gives a vision of a new temple that bends the imagination and tells about the glory of God that would come to fill it and the sound of his coming being like the sound of a tidal wave that could swallow the cosmos. It's also where God tells about one who was to come a good shepherd who would come to find his sheep and bring them home. In Ezekiel 34, God tells Ezekiel to prophesy to the shepherds of Israel because Israel had a leadership problem. In fact, Israel always had a leadership problem. When it says shepherd, it's not talking about shepherds. It's talking about Israel's corrupt prophets Priests and kings. He's addressing the entirety of the corrupt system of Israel's leadership of his people. Because they're all in on it together. Because power does what power does. Power protects power. And God is not happy. He says, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, So they were scattered because there was no shepherd. My sheep were scattered over all the face of the earth with none to search or seek for them. God is not happy. Because Israel's leaders operated in a way that was completely counter to the system that God had established to govern the life of his people. God intended for Israel, his people, his flock... To be a kingdom of peace, justice, equity, goodness, fairness, and holiness. And that system was the law that God had laid out in the Pentateuch. And the foundation of that system, the one thing that all of it was built upon, was love. Love. The entirety of the law is summarized in the two great commandments. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. To seek their good no differently than you would seek your own. And this was all so that Israel's life together would be a reflection. It would reveal the character and nature of God to the world. So that the world would look upon them and say and marvel, who is your God? Yet Israel's shepherds decided to go a different way. Century after century, they ruled over God's people out of love for self rather than a love for neighbor. And God is not happy. He says, you don't feed the sheep because you're too busy stuffing your own mouth. You don't strengthen the weak. You don't heal the sick. You don't bind up the injured. You don't bring back the strayed. You don't seek the lost. You just leave them in all of their devastation and you heap more of it upon them. You are everything that I am not. And God gives a vivid picture of what these shepherds are actually doing to the sheep. He says, You eat the fat, you clothe yourself with the wool. You slaughter them in order to have it. My friends, remember the metaphor these sheep are not sheep, these sheep are God's people. And what God is describing is how these shepherds are consuming the sheep. It says you are consuming them and slaughtering them for your own gain, and you rule over them with force and harshness and abuse of power. You are everything I am not. You are just like Pharaoh. So since you are so hungry, I will feed you. I will feed you just like I fed him. I will feed you in justice. And I will deliver my people from you. Hard words. And shepherds beware. But then God gives a beautiful promise. He says, therefore I myself will search for my lost sheep. I myself will rescue them from their fear. And I will look for them and find them in all of the places that they've run to. I will gather them and give them a home. I will feed them On the mountain heights, I will give them rest, because I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep. I will seek the lost, I will bring back the strayed, I will bind up the injured, and I will strengthen the weak. Behold the heart of God. One who searches, one who finds, one who heals, one who lifts up, from distress and gives rest. I myself will be the shepherd of my people. This is Jesus talking about himself, pointing forward to when he will take on flesh and make good on his word, that I myself will be the shepherd of my people. But if we dig a little bit deeper, let's just explore that metaphor for a second. God says he will be our shepherd, which means that we are his sheep. Now, let's be honest, there are far more flattering animals to be symbolized by. Sheep are literally one of the dumbest animals on the planet. They have zero defenses, they scare quickly, they run when they're afraid but they're slow and they can't outrun anything that's coming for them. They're utterly helpless and sheep can literally be staring at their own pen yet not be able to find a way back in it. They cannot figure out the way they should go. They have to be led. Certainly not a flattering metaphor, is it? But let it sink in Let it sink in, because once it does, it shows the sweetness and the beauty of our shepherd. Because if you think about it, sheep have literally nothing to offer the shepherd. They don't make for great companions like a dog. They have nothing to offer other than maybe some wool and some lamb chops. They're so easily overpowered and taken advantage of, and they require a tremendous amount of work and constant attention just to keep them alive. But therein lies the beauty. Because when God describes how he will be the shepherd of his people, do you not hear all that he longs to do for them? It wasn't to fleece them, or to slaughter them, and consume the fat. No, he wants to gather them so they could dwell in safety. He wants to lead them to the mountains so that they can feast. He wants to make them lie down in green pastures and find rest. He wants to find the lost, bind up the injured, and strengthen the weak. This shepherd is a different kind of shepherd because do you hear how he exists simply for the life and flourishing of the sheep. He exists for their healing, for their wholeness, for their satisfaction. Why? Because this shepherd simply loves his sheep. He doesn't care for them just to fatten them up and take take from them. He cares for them simply because he loves them. And does not this table express the full shepherding heart of Christ our Lord? Because it's where he says to his sheep, it is not I who will consume you. It's you who will consume me. I lay down my life for my sheep so that you may live and have life to the full. Behold the heart of God. Behold our shepherd. I want to use this passage to express three things. First, what does Ryan's installation mean for us as a church? And the vision we have for what we want to be. Why was Ryan's name written down on that piece of paper all those years ago? It's because we want to be a church that displays the heart of God for his people. We've grown over these last few years. Jesus has given us increase. And because of that, it is so easy to lose sight. It's easy to start chasing numbers. It's easy to start focusing on programs instead of people. It's easy to feel disconnected and to fade away and be forgotten about. It's easy to take resources and build something bigger and better and brighter. It's easy to start treating the church like it's a machine and we forget that it's a ministry. And Ryan's call is because the leadership of this church wants to display the shepherding heart of Christ to the world and to you. But ultimately in the same manner that God displayed it to us, not from a distance, but through the incarnation of Christ, Jesus taking on flesh, entering into this world, the shepherd coming to find his sheep. The shepherd who came close To bind up wounds and heal and restore and bring home, this shepherd comes face to face. And it's easy in our modern online digital world, to forget that. As though God's priorities for his people changed once we got electricity and an internet connection. To where a pastor just becomes a distant talking head or a high-functioning church executive with lots of charisma that never sits with the mourner weeps at a funeral, or darkens a hospital door, or preaches on Ezekiel 34. As we've grown as a church, my capacity has not grown with it. And Mark's hasn't either. Decisions had to be made to think through the type of church that we wanted to be, and to prioritize the shepherding ministry of Christ. Because if we don't choose to invest in it, then it. My friends, it will never happen. And as care pastor, Ryan will seek those in distress. Those going through difficult times to find the mourner and the sufferer, to visit the lonely and the shut in and to be a friend to the friendless. And to be clear, his position is not because we are outsourcing all of this to Ryan. No. Part of his role is to facilitate and coordinate a shepherding ministry of care that involves all of the elders and all of the pastors of this church so that together Jesus might be delighted to walk among us and make us look more like him. We want Jesus to bless this church. That's easy to say, but with what? What does that even mean? Well, for us, we want Jesus to bless us with the desires of his heart, not ours. That we'd be a place where his sheep find healing, where their lives are restored and made whole, where they find rest and peace, where they find a flock and a home because they were found by the good shepherd. Today means that we want to be a church that reveals the shepherding heart of Christ for his people. Secondly, What does Ryan's ordination and installation mean for you as individuals? Typically, a guest preacher comes to preach an ordination sermon. And so I was honored when Ryan asked if I would do it. But admittedly, it's also a little bit strange and slightly awkward for reasons you may not expect because you have to speak to the very real relationship between a pastor and his people. And so since I'm included by extension, it's just sometimes easier if an objective voice comes in and speaks into it. So for this part, if it helps, you can just imagine that you don't know me. And I'm just a guest preacher this morning, coming to you from Holy Smoke Presbyterian Church, (laughs) from the island of Kauai. Hebrews 13, 17 tells you exactly what Ryan's ordination means for you. Obey your leaders and submit to them. For they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Obey your leaders and submit to them. Those are two words that aren't popular in our culture. Obey and submit. Two words that go down like dry Tylenol on a hot Texas summer day. Yet those two words are written to you. Some of you are like, yeah, but what's it say in the Greek? It's obey and submit. (laughs) I also know that those words might make some of you feel uncomfortable in light of your experience. You've been hurt and consumed by shepherds in your past. I'm sorry. I hope that this church could be a place where you learn to trust in the beauty of Jesus' church again. But let me explain that what it means and share with you what you are obeying and submitting to. It's not power. It's love. Love. It's not submitting to one who looks to take advantage of you, but submitting to one who wants to build you up and whose desires are for you to have life and life to the full. It's not obeying because he's simply in a position of austere authority. Those don't exist in the church. But obeying one who desires to walk you home. Ryan is being installed today, which means I'm asking you to trust him. His authority as a shepherd is bound up in Christ's love for you. And he expresses his love for you through Ryan's love for you. Jesus has given you a loving shepherd to embody his loving presence in your life to seek you, to find you, and to lead you beside the still waters of his grace. So let Ezekiel 34 shape how you understand the vows that Ryan will make today. To love you with the word, to love you in prayer, to love you in sacrifice, to love you in service, to love you in suffering. To love you on your best days and in your darkest hours, to love you with encouragement, to love you with exhortation and hard words. And most importantly, to love you with Jesus as one who will one day stand before him and give an account for your soul. It's not about power. It's about love. And lastly, Ryan. What does today mean for you? It means many things. Mark will deliver your charge in a moment, but I do want to say two things from Ezekiel 34 as you begin a new life today. The first is this. You're supposed to be here. You're supposed to be here. I remember when you... Walked out of that meeting with Sonny Jean years ago, and you told me, I want to go to seminary. I want to be a pastor. My first thought, honestly, was I thought you were joking. And then when I realized you weren't, my second thought was, does Amber know about this? (laughs) But here you are today, and so again, you are supposed to be here. It's an exciting day, but it can also be a somber day. Because there's part of you that perhaps might feel like an imposter. Like you're wearing your dad's suit. And one day everyone's going to find that out. Today won't be the first day that that shows up. So I'd invite you to remember your life. Take its whole course and its shape into consideration. And remember this. That you would never have chosen this course unless you were found. Jesus came looking for you, and He found you, and He will find you over and over again. You are being installed today, and I'm asking you to trust Him. The second thing is that sooner or later, you are going to find yourself tired and weary. Your tank is going to be empty and you will feel like you have absolutely nothing to offer the person standing right in front of you because you've got a target on your back now and some days you will feel it emptied, exhausted, and dry to your bones. And someone very important to me said something that I won't ever forget when I was in that very season myself. He said... Find the suffering. Find the suffering in the life of whoever it is that's standing in front of you and enter into that. Because when you feel empty, your impulse is to try and run away from it but run towards it. I said, honestly, that feels like the last thing I want to do. Why? He said, find the suffering. Because that is exactly where you will find Jesus yourself. So Ryan, my friend, my brother, find the suffering and do not stop. It will be so counterintuitive to how you feel in those moments. Yet where else do you expect to find this man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, the original man in black? Because when you find the suffering, you are joining in the mission of the great shepherd, And you will find that when your resources come to an end, his do not. He'll fill your eyes with new tears. He'll fill your mouth with new words. And he'll fill your heart with new love. And you'll find that he's leading you down the very road he's called you to lead others. Jesus has been good to you. And he will be again. So Ryan, my friend, as we close... We did this for a nun in India at his ordination, and I thought that we would do the same for you at yours. Because I want the collective, unified, affirming voice of your church family to be the last thing that you hear and ringing in your ears before you take your vows. So, Redeemer Rockwall, if you agree with me and Pastor Mark and the leadership of this church, that Ryan, has proven himself as one who is called and you receive him today as your pastor then can I get an amen amen, amen. amen. for the glory of Christ and the life of the world let's pray lord jesus our great shepherd kind and compassionate Merciful and abounding in steadfast love, you have watched over us all of these days, all of these years, and all of these moments. We thank you for the story that you've written here at this church. We thank you that you love us, you guide us, you find us when we run, you find us in our fear, you find us in our brokenness, and your desire desire is to heal and renew and restore. By your grace, would you make us a church that reveals your shepherding heart to the world? For why else do we gather? Why else should we come if it is not all built on the promise that you desire to dwell with your people, to find them, and to draw them unto yourself? We ask that you would bless us so that we might be a blessing unto the world. We ask all this in the name of Christ our Lord and all God's people said, Amen. Amen.